So, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rebel City Podcast. Um, as always, myself and Paul are here. Um, we're really lucky today to have a guest, um, Paul Quigley, um, from the Fans Against Criminalisation campaign. Um, obviously, quite a big topic in recent weeks and obviously we're just looking to get into here. Um, obviously, before we started, I'd said to you that I feel like a lot of your you know, public information can get quite truncated mm, or easily yeah. sort of taken out of context. So we're just going to let you punch yourself out here today <laughs> and get as much out there as possible. Okay. Um, one of the things for me, as much as I followed the campaign, was that mm. a lot of people don't, I think, don't really get what it's about and what's been at stake throughout the entire process. So I want to try and contextualise something with just by kind of starting out where mm-hmm. the campaign began and, and kind of try and work through to where we are here, all right? Okay. Um, so I think in the, the sort of wider sort of public consciousness the sort of quote-unquote sort of shame game mm. was where this kind of started for a lot of people. Um, is, I mean, what was your experience in the beginning? Well, that is where it started because mm-hmm. when Celtic played Rangers in that game, um, there had obviously been a kind of clash of the players during mm-hmm. the game uh, and then at the end of the game there was the incident between Ali McCoy's then assistant manager of Rangers mm-hmm. and Neil uh, Lennon, who was the manager of Celtic at yeah. the time and the again. Now, that is what had caused the kind of media furore mm-hmm. that got about uh, an emergency summit chaired by yeah. um, Alex Salmond um, that involved football clubs, different religious denominations, mm-hmm. um, and the, the Scottish government and the police. Mm-hmm. And it was out of that that formed the Offensive Behaviour at Football Act. But I still think that a lot of it on in, in terms of that game gets kind of lost because yeah. people forget that during that season, Celtic and Rangers played each other seven times. Mm-hmm. Seven times over the course of nine months of a football yeah. season, which is a lot. So I felt as a fan who who went to every one of those games that you were almost it, it was almost too much. And yeah. that a lot of the, the atmosphere and the animosity between fans was almost waiting because it was getting boring. Mm-hmm. But familiarity was breeding contempt between the players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely the case. So when you had that Scottish Cup replay... Um, and it was, you know, like it was at night time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, passions, certainly for the players, were, were boiling over. Rangers had three players sent off. Yep. Celtic won with, you know, a goal that also involved a player, Rangers player being knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and things just spilled over on the pitch. But in terms of the fans, there was nothing of note that happened. Yeah. There were more Rangers players given a yellow card that night than there were Celtic fans arrested. Yeah. And the majority of arrests were for the heinous crime of smoking in the toilet. Yeah. So you're not talking about... A, These were like re- disorder offences. No, no, there was no issues of real disorder. There was no reason really for Scotland to look at that game and, and be bound into some kind of moral panic. Yeah. And the media played a massive role in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, I think that was in, in maybe February. I'd maybe need to check maybe yeah. March of 2011. But you're also looking into, you know, election season. Yeah. Um, and the bottom line is, is that the Scottish government, I think at that point, uh, the SNP made a political calculation. Mm-hmm. And that calculation was is that there were votes to be had and grabbing headlines by coming down hard yep. on football supporters, and that football fans wouldn't have the means to properly fight back. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that came back to bite them in the backside a wee bit. I think in terms of what you were saying, that, you know, the committee chaired by Salmon, um, you know, it felt to me at times like his influence in this process was pretty palpable. I mean, yeah. he seemed to go sort of full head first into it and really wouldn't appear to 
hear sort of you know well, any sort of dissenting voice on no, it? No, no, dissent certainly wasn't allowed, that's for sure. But I mean, they tried to initially bring it through as emergency legislation. They, they tried to make sure that it didn't go through the standard checks and balances yeah. and go through the, the kind of committees in the normal way that a mm-hmm. regular bill would, all for you know, young guys shouting and swearing at each other yeah. football match that democratic process is to be suspended. Mm-hmm. And then um following an absolutely appalling um showing from one of these ministers, um in the, the justice um uh, in the Scottish Parliament. Yeah. What then happened was they they decided that they had to shelve it over the course of the summer and the Alex Salmon said that what he wanted to do was build consensus around it. Yeah. Yet he spectacularly failed to do that. And he failed to do that because he failed to engage. What yeah. he tried to do is he tried to bounce the, the other opposition parties mm-hmm. just through fear of being seen as mm-hmm. being somehow pro You know, it's nonsense, right? Yeah. But he tried to go hard on that rhetoric so that one of those parties would say, you know, who in their right mind wants to be on the side of, yeah. of sectarianism? Mm-hmm. Nobody, right? Yeah. Nobody around this Bipartisism table. Bipartisism and that I've met uh, over the course of this campaign, right? So... When Parliament reconvened after the summer um, and the SNP had their overall majority, what they wanted to do is just force that through. And that's what they've done. Um, you know, it was by the time it went to vote, it was the first piece of legislation in history, as far as I'm aware, mm-hmm. that was forced through the Scottish Parliament without any cross-party support. That's unsurprising, to be honest with you. I mean, we've obviously covered a bit about the press reaction and, and obviously mm-hmm. throughout this entire process, what the, the press have had to say about the criminalisation and the sort of demonisation of fans has been pretty pivotal. But, like, in that initial sort of period, what was the, the public reaction to the offensive behaviour? Because I know, obviously, guys like yourselves and, and you know yourselves felt like it was a, a pretty big sort of <coughs> overreach and an infringement on people's sort of civil liberties. Well, I mean, I think people were alarmed immediately with the, the wording of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was certainly what Grab does. Um, you know, when we kind of get a hold of it and... At the time, it was the five different Celtic fan organisations mm-hmm. who had decided to meet to discuss it. Um, and there were, there were two particular issues that ran as a continuing theme all throughout the campaign. Mm-hmm. Those issues were that laws should be universal. Yep. They should apply to everyone. Mm-hmm. You can't pick one demonised sector in society and say, this law is only going to apply to them. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had a, an immediate issue with that. And the second issue was with the notion of outlawing something as subjective as offensiveness. Yeah. Now, what I find offensive, you might not, and vice versa, that's the nature of it. But when you start to criminalise something like that, you create a kind of broadening blurring of what is legally acceptable. Yeah. And then what happens is, and as we predicted, eventually, sadly, it came true, mm-hmm. is that people were being re- arrested for the most menial and minor yeah. of offences. Um, and that was what we could, we could see the writing on the wall with mm-hmm. that. So we decided at that point that we had to act and try and organise to, to prevent it coming to fruition. Yeah. And, I mean, in terms of some of the, obviously, the offences that, you know, people, you know, quote-unquote offences that people were arrested for, um, a lot of that kind of sided on, um, or was as a result of the communication element of the bill. Um, I think it goes without saying that in, like, the 21st century, we need legislation that accurately sort of protects people in terms of how they communicate. But, again... Football fans were singled out here. And is something that somebody says on Twitter or Facebook really... Well, I mean, what I would say is, is that, you know, when we got a few years into the legislation, the police stopped using the communication aspect of it because mm-hmm. it wasn't strong enough to get convictions. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were genuinely serious about putting together a piece of legislation to deal with 
um, you know, hate crime online mm -hmm. to deal with threats that were being sent to yep. people, then that's fine. You know, there can be a mature and adult discussion about that. Mm -hmm. But that discussion cannot be had when you fling it in to support an attack on football support. Yeah. Um, and that was where that fell down. And as I say, you know, the statistics bear out that the police stopped using it. The 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 um, procurator fiscal service stopped using the communications aspect of it mm -hmm. because they weren't getting the convictions. So uh, in reality, those two things should never have been put yeah. together. Um, Could you have and that was a had a case if, say, for instance, they came to try and jail you for something that you said on Twitter, but you weren't a football fan? Could no, no, no. So, so, so there's a bit of confusion here, I think. So in terms of part one of the Defence Behaviour Football Act, right? That deals with things that happen within the context of a football match, right? Mm -hmm. So that not only includes, you know, you being at the game and standing with your mates or sitting with your dad and shouting at the referee or mm -hmm. singing about whatever, right? It also would include travelling to and from a game. Okay. Um, it could also theoretically include travelling with a group of people who were going to the game, even if you weren't, weren't going to right, the game. Aye, right, right, so that was going to be the next aye, sort of so analogy I was it, going to use. It, it, it gets very difficult to define in okay. parts, right? But that, that, that's the first part, and that deals with, as I say, what basically was made criminal under that was anything that anyone, whether they actually exist or not, might theoretically find offensive, yeah. you could be uh, convicted, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was as broad as that. Now, in terms of the second aspect of it, the um, online communications aspect of it, that was part five of it, and that applied to anyone. But because of the way it was worded, as I say, you know, by and large, the mm -hmm. Procurator Fiscal Service still used, I think it was the Communications Act of 2003, okay. um, that they still continue to use. So, as I say, you know, they, they tried to... I don't know if they were just trying to beef up Mm -hmm. the initial legislation and I remember at the time as well it was when, when Celtic played Rangers in that shame game mm -hmm. what transpired after that was the kind of sustained campaign against Neil Lennon and, and against yeah. the, the Catholic and Irish the diaspora in Scotland because what happened was Neil Lennon was sent uh, bombs and bullets in the post mm -hmm. similar uh, things were sent to people linked to Celtic or yeah. Irish diaspora in Scotland and there had also been a kind of surge I think of online posts about you know with like, death against Neil Lennon mm -hmm. or you know, some horrible yeah. pictures that had been photoshopped about them. So I think they probably just seen that as an opportunity to drag that in mm -hmm. to further gather support. Mm -hmm. um, because again, they probably made a political calculation that, you know, nobody thinks that people should be, you know, sending people death threats online. Um, but the more nuanced discussion, as you say, you know, mm -hmm. should people be going to jail for, you know, a daft tweet? Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a, a grown-up discussion that has to be had. But mm -hmm. rather than, than having that discussion... What they wanted to do was take a sledgehammer, take a crack of walnut, and that's what they've done. Yeah. Um, so, kind of moving on for the, the kind of basics and the beginnings there, um, you said that obviously there was sort of five primarily sort yep. of Celtic related um, sort of units that got yep. together to form fans against criminalisation. Yep. How did that happen? Where was the? How did you sort of begin your your mobilisation? So we would have already been in touch anyway. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there'd been personal relationships there, and the groups would have been in touch about various different issues. But, but you know, either dealing with Celtic Football Club or some organisations would, at that point, have a relatively okay relationship with the police. So they would be meeting yep. um, to discuss issues around fan safety and whatnot. Um, so there was. Relationships there and a bit of a structure there that allowed us to come together and identify the issues that would come. Now, there was also remarks made um, by uh, members of the Scottish Government who had pointed out that one of the reasons they wanted to bring in this piece of legislation mm -hmm. 
was because at the time arrest figures between Celtic and Rangers fans weren't even. They wanted to even them up. Yeah. And the reasoning being for that was that there was quite a lot of Rangers fans who were being uh, charged and prosecuted, uh, prosecuted under kind of hate crime legislation for mm-hmm. singing songs that would be deemed racist or sectarian. Yep. Uh, but Celtic fans who were singing songs which would be more deemed political and cultural yeah. um, weren't being arrested mm-hmm. uh, and weren't being convicted. So they wanted and one MP to even called it the evening up, wasn't there? Or what's to that well, effect? Well, uh, Kristen Graham said she was in a discussion with uh, Tom Devine mm-hmm. um, and the Justice Committee and they were kind of arguing um, and she said, you know, it's not even, she kind of uh, get a bit exasperated trying to explain it to, yeah. you know, a guy who's, who obviously understands the issue a bit better than she does. So um, why, why would they want to... Why would, it, why would you even need why to... Why would you even need to even something like that up? Well, that's a question for Liam, isn't it? I mean, it, it's not something I have the answer to, but that, that was certainly a running theme of what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He wanted to even up, I guess, because... In my opinion, you know, there, there are still elements within the, the Scottish government and within the SNP who, in the, the wider yes movement, who still see sectarianism as two sides of the one coin and don't yeah. have a deeper understanding of the roots of anti Catholic and anti Irish racism. I think a lot of people dismiss these types of issues that hover around sort of Glasgow football and, no, they and do, religion and in similar terms. It's, 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 I mean, I'm also a part of the new court-out organisation mm-hmm. that's um, set to try and challenge some of that discrimination. But yep. for me, you know, actual discrimination and bigotry and inequality isn't actually about young guys singing at the football. No. It's about structures that are in place and that have been in place since the Irish uh, came here. Yeah, on the, this the, is an issue that's centuries this, old. You're not abso- gonna... Absolutely, and, and again, you can have a grown-up grown nuanced discussion about what were the seeds of that bigotry. You know, I would certainly argue that it was it was waiting for us when we got off the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that even today, you can point to the fact that um, those of Irish Catholic descent in Scotland are more likely to live in poverty, they're more likely to be in jail, they're more likely to suffer mental health, they're more likely to die younger, yeah. and they're more likely to be in prison. That is, for me, the real issue, but to tackle that isn't easy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. But if you, can, if you can just change that to, oh, it's all about football, and it's all yeah. about Glasgow, and they're all the same, it's just these nets, you're singing these daft songs, yep. and what we need to do is come down hard on them and fast, and, and that's what we'll, we'll do yep. with it. And it's just political it's, point scoring when I it comes totally to that, because is. if you actually go to Celtic Park and you look at the people running about you, it, it's well, it's middle class people that are going to the football predominantly nowadays. I mean, it's been sort of the cost there. Even I mean, it's a family game. It's <coughs> if you if you go back to when I first started going to Celtic, it was it was less of a family ah, game. You need to have a I level th- of disposable I, income. I, th- I think there's there's certainly attempts to make it more middle class. I do think that a lot of the core supporters that will go home and be and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Are still, working class people. Are still working yeah. class. Or came from a working in, class background. In my experience. Yeah. Um, but there, there is obviously a bit more of a crossover now and it's not as black and white as it might have been. Yeah. But I still think that a lot of that class prejudice is what undermines a lot of the rhetoric about football supporters. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the thing is, there's a long historical timeline in this. So you only get back to the 1960s and uh, the Times, London Times, mm-hmm. had an article that deemed, you know, it said football was a slum sport played in slum stadiums in front of slum people, right? Yeah. And then you get to the 1980s, and under Thatcher, football fans are very much deemed part of the enemy within the trade union yeah. movement. When we get to the 1990s, and there's this kind of burst of CCTV nation, the guinea pigs for this are football supporters. The first people this is tested out on are football fans, and it's very much about controlling their movement. <laughs> but now we're getting to a point whereby 
they're trying to control what football fans see and think. Yeah. And I think that's a very, very dangerous step, not just for football fans and the working class generally, but for everyone else, yeah. because mm-hmm. it was rolled out before and it can be rolled yeah, out Yeah, sign of things to come. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's not just an issue of football fans, you know, want to just sing what they want and yeah. behave what they want. And understand that even people who listen to this will maybe be tempted to, to write you know, me off and write this campaign off and, mm-hmm. you know, just have it off football fans, you know. Yeah. The, last, yeah. the last few weeks have shown that football fans can't behave and mm-hmm. he's only to enter the, you know, 21st century like everybody else. But the reality is, is that this is a threat to everyone because, I mean, like, some of the, the reaction in the last few weeks, in, in my opinion, has been absolutely crazy. Yeah. But what you see is nobody, <clears throat> nobody is stopping to put the brakes on it. So, like, you had... I mean, you had like, a discussion, and it's like ex exports, ex football players and sports journalists all trying their hands at social analysis. Yeah, you know what I mean. When they'd be equally equipped to one of them. What's Charlie Nicholas's opinion on sectarianism? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, they'd, 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 they'd be as well going on like on their, their, their TV and their radio and discussing quantum physics. What they understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The there's, there's been people hand. retweeting. Uh, Brexit opinions of Sam Allardyce. Ah, yeah, it's as if we should be it's paying attention. You know but the I mean? one for me. I mean, and people might say that you're biased. I mean, I had a, a conversation with somebody on Twitter about Tommy Robinson. They said to me, well, you're a Celtic fan. I'm like, okay. So you obviously you hate him. It's like, no, that's, not, that's not why I hate him. People but have a preconception. The one that really got me is the Alex Rays, the Jim Whites, Aye. Nacho Novo, who, who is a Catholic. <laughs> yeah. um, but these guys coming out and talking about sectarianism as if, oh, we really need to get rid of it. You're, going, you're getting paid by people that Aye, are holding boy. this ash bash. Jim White used to be an orange author. Mm-hmm. How can you sit now on Sky Sports yeah. and be talking to people or try to talk to people about the morality of sectarianism? I mean, for me, it's it, but it's it's talking about fans and not talking to fans. You know, <coughs> yeah. I've not turned on the mm-hmm. radio yet and heard the discussion whereby they've had a sensible fan representative want to see Hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. I like should anyone act in a criminal way, they should individually be prosecuted. Absolutely. That's fine. Yep. Maybe as far as I know, is trying to defend a fan's right to feel a half bottle about first a player taking a corner kick. No, right? of course no, not. Day, right? no, of course not. You know what I mean? But when you have like Billy Dodds on the radio and he's he goes on this rant about how anybody even suspected of doing something like this should be sent straight to jail without any <laughs> without any court case, without any lawyer, without any due process. Based on all the based on all the trials that he's I, worked at. Obviously, <laughs> the the extensive legal work that Billy Dodds has no doubt carried out, and nobody nobody on that panel even stops. Says, Hold on a minute, but what do you Aye. mean? The, do, what do you mean we should just not have court it. cases? What do you think? Think we should just all get like a prison ship and acquire them? We'll just yep. shove them on after the games or what? Nobody says, hold on a minute, let's have a, a, a normal discussion about this. Yeah. Uh, and the hysteria has very much taken over. Um, and uh, again, it looks like in, in much the same way as it did in 2011 when mm-hmm. nobody was able to kind of get to grips with the actual issues of the day. It's the same now, and it's very. It's some of the same voices, um, and it, there's obviously the worry now that the Scottish government are going to try um, again, again, um, and come back and attack fans off the back of this media. I think forum. thankfully they're in minority at the moment in that respect, and I think the Green Party were quite, who obviously hold the balance of power currently in a certain respect at Holyrood. But they were quite supportive of the repeal, if I remember right. With <clears throat> the Green Party were great. Um, we met with Ross Career, Patrick Harvey, um, even John Finney. We didn't meet with him, but he was an ex SNP member mm-hmm. and he had actually voted for the act initially because yep. he was a member of the SNP at the time. He left over the, the NATO issue. Um, and then, you know, he actually 
you know, was one of the ones that put his hand up and said, you know, this has been we a disaster. This um, and he voted against it. The Green Party have been great. Um, most with great support from all opposition parties, mm-hmm. to be fair. Um, but it's important too that they see through yeah. the, the current attempts um, and nobody's... Because as I say, it goes back to that political pressure of, mm-hmm. you know, you're standing up for bigots and you're standing up for thugs and louts and, mm. and that isn't actually the case. There's a lot of stuff know. getting levelled against you, it's just, it's just miles off. Absolutely, um, and it, it's really got in the way, in my opinion, of having a, a genuine grown-up discussion about I it. I struggle to think of another <coughs> sort of civil liberties movement because that's the, the terms in which I consider mm. these. Um, you know, obviously looking out for the civil liberties of fans, but like I, I don't know any other civil liberties group anywhere that gets the the overt and sort of public criticism that you guys have had to put up with, and and almost none of it really rings very true for me. So, see, in terms of obviously these relationships, like the, in terms of your campaign, like mm-hmm. once you obviously got together and agreed on why you have obviously mm-hmm. got together, like what was the next step? Because I think that you know, speaking to guys like yourself, guys like the on the ball, I, I was saying off mic before you come in, I think this is. The kind of future of like democracy by people is mm-hmm. actual grassroots movements mm-hmm. that compa- campaign on single issues. So like, I want to kind of like just cover like, where do you even start? So at the time, it was very much kind of firefighting because the emergency legislation um, was either going to go through or around about that time it mm-hmm. would probably just been shelved. I can't remember the exact dates. And then we knew that the bill was still going to proceed after the summer. Yeah. So our we were quite naive as well, I think, because we knew that it had to go through the kind of justice committee. We knew that um, the Celtic Trust, for example, would have the opportunity to present evidence. We would have an opportunity to um, submit submissions and stuff like that. So we kind of thought that what we'll do is we'll actually partake in this process. And if we can present proper evidence that, you know, as I say, on the two points that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, on the points that, you know, laws should be universal and that you can't yeah. you know, outlaw somebody's subjective as offensiveness because it wouldn't work in any other facet of society. Imagine, no, like, you know, trying to tell, I mean, like, for example, I found, like, John Mason's um, campaign against gay marriage to be quite offensive. Yeah. Right? I did. Now, does that mean that he doesn't have a democratic right to do it? No, mm-hmm. it doesn't, right? And the same goes for, you know, any other facet yeah. of society. You know, if you're on your podcast, you can make joke comedians, uh-huh. you know, whatever it might be, right? You, uh, you need to be able to have a fair and frank discussion for society to operate. Absolutely. So we thought by kind of pointing that out, there would be at least some concessions there. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line was, is that the, the SNP had all the power. They, were, they were, had a majority government in our parliament that was kind of meant to, to prevent, hamper, yeah. uh, prevent uh, majority governments. So there was no checks or balances. And they just done what they want. You know, they just mm-hmm. rough, rode roughshod over everyone. Um and then at that point, when the bill was voted in, as I say, you know, it was um, the first piece of legislation that had been voted through without any sort of cross-party support, we had the decision to make about whether or not we continue, because we were set up to try and prevent it, yeah. not to repeal it. You know, uh-huh. we were sent to, we, we tried to stop it. Um, and I think we felt that we had enough support um, mm-hmm. and we had enough strength in our argument um, and it, we also had a responsibility to help those who would no doubt be caught up in it. Yeah. Lives would definitely be ruined. Um, and that's what happened. So we decided to continue on. And mm-hmm. it was a long fight. You know, it was seven years, really, yeah. from 2011 to 2018. Um, from the conception of the Act being repealed, um, that we, you know, campaigned in a variety of ways. Um, and as I say, we also tried to make sure that we offered support to not just Celtic fans, but fans of all clubs, yep. um, should they be caught up in it. 
Um, and fortunately, we, we won that particular battle. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in terms of like before and after the act, because one of the arguments that, you know, I certainly heard throughout the process of the campaign was that there's laws already in place that mm -hmm. cover almost all of this. Why do we need <coughs> to double our work? Um, so, <clears throat> like, was there a, an uptake in, you know, football-related arrests no. as a result of the legislation? Did it well, drop? Were they the same, do you know? Well, I mean, the thing is about statistics is that the SNP were very good at making them say whatever they wanted. Yeah. So there was like a year whereby, you know, the, the arrest figures went up. Mm -hmm. So, oh, look, arrests are going up, the act's working, we're getting more people. Mm -hmm. Then the next year, arrests went down. It's like, look, nobody's doing it anymore. The, the, mm. the act's working, this proves it. Right. You know, so, uh, the thing is, as well, is that the SNP never set out at the start what it was they wanted to achieve, mm -hmm. right? So if you don't set out what you want to achieve, you can then see anything after the fact when yeah. statistics come out mm -hmm. to, to, to support your claim. Mm -hmm. um, so the the what we seen was, more than anything, was that the conviction rate or, um, of cases that we dealt with was mm -hmm. incredibly low. But the, the point that we continually tried to make is that the punishment wasn't necessarily in the conviction. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, a normal fan, and it was normal yeah. fans, either dragged out of bed or dragged out of stand. Some of them extremely young. Yeah, kicked through a haphazard criminal justice system, you know, banned from football in the meantime, mm -hmm. which, you know, alienated in some ways from your social circle. People lost jobs. People yep. had fractured relationships. People had suffered mental health breakdowns mm. because these cases went on for far longer than normal cases and that's yeah. by the Scottish government's own admission. So even, you know, after like 18 months, two years, as was often the case when you've been through all that, to get a not guilty verdict doesn't undo any of yeah. that damage. Yeah, no, not at all. And, and that was, you know, as, as much as you can argue about statistics and arrest figures, the human cost of risk it totally lost a lot of the yeah. time and that's what we really wanted to focus and on. And I think when we talk about balance, you know, that previously that evening up, there was no even and up of that harm that people went through as a result. Yeah. There was no like, sort of <coughs> counterbalance or any sort of real justification of it after the fact. Um, and I think obviously that's one of the reasons. I think and myself, it's almost a kind of admission of sort of failure and guilt mm -hmm. that, you know, they just let people dangle at that and, yeah. and I mean, sort of it, suffer it, that. It turned very vindictive, I mm -hmm. think. I think the entire uh, criminal justice system turned very vindictive when it came to dealing with fans. I mean, even... On, on simple things, you know, like they were, like, so we had like football prosecutors mm -hmm. specifically to deal with football cases when you don't have them to deal with, you know, drugs yeah. or murder or anything else, but you had football prosecutors and they would get the guidance from above. So it went right of up course. to the justice minister. And even on stuff like, like, like you weren't allowed to plead cases down. Mm -hmm. So pros prosecutors didn't have the opportunity to say, like, you're charged with, you know, three things. Uh, so if you just take the one, yeah, know, they weren't allowed to do that. They were, were specifically told not to do that, um, and 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 that kind of vindictiveness. It's almost desperation through, for these convictions. Yeah, then. Aye, it, it fed through absolutely everything that happened. It's insane. Um, so I mean, obviously, in, in terms of the justice minister, um, one of the things I remember at the time, I, I was at a, a, a sort of cup final in Hamden, and um, the opposition support spent 90 minutes talking about or singing about being up to their knees in my blood <coughs> uh, only for then Justice Minister Frank McCaskill at the uh, time to come out and praise the atmosphere now I think that as much as there was 
as you say, movements to try and combat, you know, the scourge of sectarianism, etc. And there's also a serious level of denial within the government during that process as well, because I don't get how you can legislate against it, stand in a stadium and hear it, and then come out in the, pr the press and then praise what just went on. Well, I mean, Kenny McCaskill would have a cheek to moan about anybody's <laughs> behaviour at football, wouldn't he, given his previous, um, when he was arrested for in Scotland. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Kenny McCaskill, I mean, we, we, I don't know if you've seen the video when we were at the Justice Committee, mm -hmm. and he, no, sorry, it wasn't the Justice Committee, it was the Public Petitions Committee that he happened to sit on. Right. And uh, if you've not seen it, you should watch it, because it's just hilarious. But he's, he, his whole demeanour, um, was totally bizarre. You know, he, he was really trying to attack us mm -hmm. when we went in there that day. Um, but this is a guy who I don't think that there's it's much a coincidence that the first thing that Nicola Sturgeon done when she got in was pap him right out. That was the f more right, or less okay. the first thing she done. Um, and now you know he, he, he seems to spend his time. I think he writes for the Scotsman, doesn't oh, he? Right, okay, well, um, I always track him, but that's probably because he's at the Scotsman. Ah, yeah, I think that's what he does. Now. I, I can't be totally sure, but I think it's the Scotsman he writes for. But I mean, the you talk about that understanding of sectarianism. You know, there was no legal definition of sectarianism in Scotland. Yeah. and then you know after the after the bills on the verge of being repealed, the Scottish government uh, commissioned this. A group, this working academic group, which again, you know, the people involved are, are maybe a bit dubious, I would say. Mm. But this this group's commissioned to define what is sectarianism. Right. You've been legislating against it apparently for seven years. <laughs> it is. It's laughable, but this is the Scottish I, government. You know I wasn't aware of that. That's and, wild. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it involves, you know, some of the, the usual uh, Scottish government's favourite academics mm -hmm. um, who, again, uh, like to portray sectarianism mm. is very much two sides of the one coin. Yeah, um, there's a partisan issue there and how it's been oh, investigated. Oh, absolutely, and I, 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 you could guess the names even if I didn't tell you. I'm yeah, suspect. probably. What percentage of the arrests are Celtic Rangers fans? Is it 90%? Is it like really high since not, the well, act? Well, since the act, as far as I'm aware, we've not seen any statistics that have been released as of yet. Not that I've seen anyway. But in terms of, I mean, Celtic and Rangers fans... What I would say is that it was a, there was a year that, say, that Rangers played Hibs, and that they remember there was a the pitch invasion. Yeah, the Scottish the Cup final. Yeah, right. That real, because final. so many were arrested in the kind of six months of ever after that, uh -huh. and even on the day. But obviously, they, they were through mm -hmm. footage for, yeah. for up to a year. After People's faces getting posted on the front of the um, daily record. Aye, all that right. So because of the amount of people that arrested on that day, it very much skewed the figures for other deals in yeah. terms of the, the life period of the act. Um, but in terms of what we dealt with is we dealt with a lot of Celtic fans because mm -hmm. we, we probably had more credibility within yeah. the Celtic support yeah. than we maybe did with others. Of we did help Rangers fans who came to us, but they maybe weren't so readily willing to maybe come to us. Of course. But we dealt with primarily Celtic fans, and as I say, the vast, vast majority were getting found not guilty, or mm -hmm. it was being dropped on the day. Yeah. Um, in cases that you know would go on like two and a half years, and then five minutes before trial, it would get dropped. You know, it's Absolutely just laughable. Crazy. So they're just, just laughable. It out. Feels as though the and I, I'm pretty sure I remember reading these were involved here as well, like the, the cases in Amsterdam. Yeah. Which again, what was that? Three three years plus that those cases ran. No, no, for... it was longer than that. Cause it's, well, I mean, it was 2013, wasn't right. it? Right. Uh, and they've just concluded in January. Yeah, it's only been a few months ago. Um, recently. So, I mean, the Dutch judicial system is quite strange. So mm -hmm. what kind of happened was, if you remember, 
there was like in a group of select fans who were arrested. Yeah. Um, they were kind of held for four or five days, whatever it was. They actually went to Dutch prison. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't held you know, a I'm weekend a or in, or uh, in a station. They actually went to Dutch prison and. Again, you know, the psychological impact of that for some of yeah. those young guys must be horrendous. Um, but then what happened was is that they kind of played, were kind of found guilty in a kind of sham, mm-hmm. you know, kangaroo court almost. It was nonsense. And then there was a very lengthy appeals process. So it's almost as if you're kind of found guilty and then the appeals process starts as almost a kind of proper mm-hmm. um, kind of case as we would yeah, say. Right. It was quite bizarre. Um, and then all bar one were found not guilty in January. And even the one that was found guilty was found guilty for um, for like defending himself against the police that he thought were Ajax casuals, right. which within the, the climate of that couple of days, you can understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only were the majority found not guilty, but the the sheriff also said that they should never have been charged. Yeah. Um, and he was really damning the police in terms of um, you know, making the point that if someone in his position can't trust the word of a police officer, mm-hmm. then the whole justice and system crumbles of fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we made sure that we supported those guys. You know, we held a bucket collection at Celtic Park. Yeah. We also gathered and we held like a couple of days of gathering and statements um, mm-hmm. and pictures and stuff. Yeah, like that. I remember. And it was a lot of that evidence that helped support the guys when they were in court. Um, so I think once we had set up to even though our focus was largely the Offensive Behaviour Football Act, it did become a bit a kind of broader fans movement and yeah. we were able to help and support um, fans who'd been caught up either at home and abroad yeah. and you know police harassment and, and, and being criminalised. So that kind of still continues, that aspect of yeah. it. You know, we're still able to help supporters and um, as much as we'd kind of talked about, you know, a single issue campaign mm-hmm. and... We, we we got what we wanted ultimately with the appeal. Yep. We kind of knew that, you know, we didn't want to kind of batten down the hatches because we knew that there was always the potential for something else to come back. Mm-hmm. And that, what I would also say is, is that even without the Offensive Behaviour Act being in place, a lot of the cultural problems yeah. of police and football matches that came with the Offensive Behaviour Act still remain. Absolutely. You know, you, you can't undo the kind of mindset of police officers who have been trained ultimately now to view fans as a criminal threat and yeah. that's you know some of the stuff that we've put out recently about the, the kind of crushing incident before mm-hmm. the Celtic Rangers game at Celtic Park in September yep. um, and I can go into detail on that we'll cover that as we point. go I, I mean obviously you did kind of touch on it briefly there but you know how things have sort of changed but the repeal itself like obviously you've, you've said to us it's a, you know, a seven year process um, obviously quite lengthy I mean we were Obviously, admittedly, on the outside, all I ever did was, you know, retweet the odd sort of thing <laughs> here and there. Um, but obviously, you know, followed it and believed in it. But I was absolutely delighted to hear the repeal go through. Like, mm-hmm. what was it? What was it like on the inside? Ah, oh, it was. It was some buzz. Like, especially getting into, um, you know, this. I missed the first, so there's, there was like there's the the first vote right, which was, was it January or something mm-hmm. like that, maybe February. And uh, I was in work and I couldn't get a day off work. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to, like, secretly sit with my phone and yeah. my desk and that and watch it. Um, and then, I mean, there wasn't much of a margin for error, no. you know, in terms of the difference between the votes. And there was always wee things changing, like, like the odd MSP would maybe take seriously not well. Or mm-hmm. There was the ongoing Mark McDonald issue as yep. well, who'd been kind of suspended for the whip. And, and, and then I think they brought him back in to vote on yeah. it and, and all of that stuff, right? So even though we had a cushion of a couple of votes, it, 
but wasn't there enough to you know be sitting and putting your feet up? Ah, you weren't sitting and, popping shampoos in the morning, or aye, absolutely. You know, we knew that there was still work to be done. Um, so throughout the entire bill, I mean, <clears throat> even the process of the bill, of James Kelly's bill, that was two years. Mm-hmm. You know that that going through yeah. uh, the kind of parliamentary procedures. So we were always trying to make sure that we were kind of keeping in touch with the opposition parties. We were mm-hmm. lobbying other groups like. Liberty, biggest civil yeah. rights group in the UK, the Law Society, keeping mm-hmm. in touch with these types of guys. Um, and also, we were continually putting out our own stuff. We put out like an hour long video yeah. um, that kind of brought the kind of whole campaign of together. Um, and then on the, the, the day of the final vote, so we took a bus through from, from Glasgow City Centre. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, you know, a, a good few hours of debate before yeah. that. And, you know, like, Listening to guys like James Dornan, absolutely furious, absolutely bailing. Yeah. Um, and I think he's, he's still not over. I think that's absolutely clear. Yeah, um, there's been comments recently, hasn't there? It's only really when you, I mean, the bottom line is we're just a, we're not a group of um, highly trained political operatives. We're just a group of normal football fans who kind of felt like we had to respond to this. Yeah. That's all we are. We've certainly not had any delusions of grandeur in that mm-hmm. regard. So. Uh, it was also the first time since I was in like primary school, I think maybe the first year or two secondary that I had been in to the actual chamber of the, the Scottish Parliament. I mean yeah. I'd been been in the Parliament to to meet the MSPs yeah. and stuff like that. But so I mean you really feel like the kind of weight of the establishment you're up against, you know, yeah. when you come in and you you know, you see the first minister and the kind of cabinet sitting there and you think, you know, it'd be a group of band football fans that have took these guys on and um, you know, it was very, very nervy waiting, mm-hmm. um, sitting watching the vote. And then Ken McIntosh um, calls the vote. And it, I mean, it's like, you watch the club, it's like six seconds, but it felt like about 20 minutes just sitting there, sweat pouring at you, um, just waiting to make sure that everybody's there and everybody presses the right button and all that. And then it came through and it was just elation. We were just delighted and we were relieved as well because with a lot of people who were very much relying on us to mm-hmm. get that over the line, you know, people who still had charges and stuff yep. like that. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. It was a great day. It was a great a, a day that I'd imagine we'll all remember. Um, and then we had the we had the champagne and the bus back. We had that ready, um, and then went into the pub on that night. And it was, it really was. It was a fantastic time. Excellent. I mean, one of the things, and and you know, as well as being delighted for his um, following the story over a period of time, I've become quite wary or quite aware quite quickly uh, the rhetoric of the opposition mm-hmm. I mean it was clear as you say for guys like Dolan and and so on and so forth that this was a, a bloody nose for their government oh, that they weren't aye. willing to let go and, and even now and, and we'll come to that in a bit some of this, the sort of things that have been levelled at you in the last few weeks um, it seems as though that initial you know dismissiveness that mm-hmm. really probably caused the government to undermine or Aye. underestimate his, um, it, it feels to me like they've not learned anything for the loss. No. It seems to me as though they've actually, if anything, doubled down Aye. on the rhetoric on display mm-hmm. to try and demonise fans and your like organisation even more. Aye, I mean, some of the stuff that's come out about, I mean, we used to get it, you know, you would have like, you know, like I would go on, I remember going on like, a like fan podcast mm-hmm. uh, and kind of talking about it, and it was like a live one and it had like a, like a, a wee chat stream and yeah. Thing. And like even when I'm talking to people, like that, oh, he's just a unionist plant. He's a totally this and that. He's not like a campaign yeah. for independence. You know what I mean? And <laughs> he's just, they're just like some of the nonsense that people come out with. Um, and like you almost expect it to some extent from 
social media for Twitter yeah. for, pe- for people to, who can only see the world through the gaze of like a constitutional Aye. question or partisan political politics or whatever else, right? You know, if you're having a go at the, the, the Scottish government, you know, you're their enemy yeah, as far as they yeah. see it and, and they'll fling whatever mud at, they, at you that can stick, right? And that's fair enough. I've got thick enough skin to do with that. Mm-hmm. But when you start seeing, you know, actual, like, elected representatives and, and in some cases um, high-ranking police officials coming out with these absolutely absurd allegations I mean, about these lies. It's it's preposterous. The tantrums. That's the only that. way that I can I describe some of the attacks that have been on you as actual like professionals at a higher oh, level having tantrums in public. Um, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And party politics, as much as I'm no consciously aware of fans against criminalisation ever openly, you know, saying we are pro this or that, anything other no, than but, just but our issue, issue. You know what I mean? Can't, can't, mm-hmm. But I actually tweeted uh, Hamza Youssef in response to one of um, the FAC tweets during the week uh, where he was, uh, just the usual stick, and I was like, well, hold on a minute, like, this legislation did not solve sexarianism. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I still don't see an alternative. You've not come up with anything here that is any sort of meaningful like no. strategy. That was part of what he'd said to like, a Labour MSP yeah. that where's your where was the alternative? And it's like, well, you're in fucking government. <laughs> I like the other So if you want an alternative, you're right. the ones that have got the platform the, the, to, to actually come up with it if you want yeah. if you really want to do it. But they've almost went, like Matt said, they've doubled down on right, No, this was the right idea and we want it back right. rather than going back to the drawing board and maybe coming up with something that's a wee bit better. But, I mean, or, even in, in the last couple of weeks so you've had it's Hamza, who is now the, the, the cabinet secretary for justice. That is a serious job. Yeah. And I, I do find myself scratching my head wondering how on earth he has ever managed to get as far as he has. But he's still referring to the laws. Transport. And Auntie's eye after how well he's done with ScotRail. Um, <laughs> but this is a guy who's still referring to the legislation as an anti sectarian. Anti sectarian. And you're bill. like, what, yeah. where have you been for the last uh-huh. seven years? Yeah. I mean, but, I mean that's a guy. I mean, we, we've had run ins with Hamza before. Um, in a like before it was actually the day before the last Scottish election, and uh, myself and Jeanette Finlay, a fan against criminalisation. Yep. Um, there had been an SNP demo at the kind of Donald Duer statue yeah. in Cannon Galleries, so we went over, and uh, Nicola Sturgeon was there, but she was mobbed. Mm-hmm. So I seen Humza, and I'd spoke to Humza before, so I was going to him, well, when are you going to get a grip on this? And uh, he was kind of rushing away from me a wee bit, and we're walking up the Cannon Galleries. Um, like it's a kind of like sort of like by the tire rack and up, um, yeah, kind of slant up towards the kind of escalator. But mm-hmm. and he's gone like that, Paul. Like you know, like you're in you're in a campaign with Jeanette Finlay, who's in bed with her on the order. Unbeknownst to him, Jeanette Finlay was right behind him. It was like pantomime stuff, right? <laughs> and uh, and then he denied to see that, right? And he came out and called his liars. But it, it happened, right? It, why on earth would be like Yeah, what's happened? the point otherwise? But he, he ended up getting the escalators up and he was shouting, oh, we'll see how far you've got on your two-person campaign. We'll see how far you get. And Jeanette's one of the and, uh, most vocal supporters of you know, things like call it out and all the rest of it in terms but, uh, of I mean, that's so, I mean, a wild accusation. This is, this is the type of guy that Hums is, but I mean, you've had him flinging about stuff like that. You've had wings over South East England saying that 
with a rubies um, <laughs> giving it about or how they're this sectarian labour front. Yeah. But this is a guy who still blames Liverpool fans for what happened at Hillsborough. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's repulsive. You know, Absolutely. the idea that anybody still gives him any sort of credence or platform is, is it, it just shocks me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you have a senior, junior police officer who's come out and said that because we wouldn't engage with their sham review, that FACA apologists for criminality. So that was outrageous. I, mean, I can't imagine any other context in which a, a police officer of that type of standing would come out against a law-abiding democratic protest group. Don't think it's that absolutely ridiculous. Not as far as I know. I mean, yeah. might it, be able to it's point just out that. What disappointed me, especially with like, because I, I'm, I'm pro-independence and especially looking at Humza on Twitter the last couple of weeks, backwards and forwards with people almost like in a Trump style. You're just like, we need... He needs to grow up. He needs to grow really up. Does, Aye, it's yeah. very, very childish, but it's like the identity politics at all, like that people, just because it's an SNP policy, I mean, I've felt this myself and I've come out in support of uh, fact is people are attacking you and you're like, well, you, clearly you don't know who I am because you're claiming I, that I'm I, a unionist. And I, I, I mean, I, I like as I say, like, I would get stuff like that and put it in my group chat and my mates would all be, you know, pissing ourselves <laughs> because they know me and they know what my politics mm-hmm. are and they know that, you know, the, the notion of me being some unionist plan is just laughable. But as I say, there's an element of, of Twitter that you almost expect it, right? Yeah. I'm not saying it's right. But whatever, you know what I mean? I'm not going to create over... It's a cold yeah. Twitter brain farts. Aye, aye. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to sit and create or get offended about what some lunatic thinks on Twitter, right? Yeah. But when you start having, you know, these mad allegations, and this is just a few that we've spoken about yeah. that start really festering within the government and within the, the, the highest echelon of the police, that's when, you know, it, it starts to have a, a detrimental impact, I mm-hmm, think, on mm-hmm. democracy. Because, Absolutely. I mean, you, you talk about fake news, you know what I mean? It, yeah. And, and stuff like, I mean, Dorning as well. Dorning used to come out with stuff about how we, we were apparently well-funded, you know, like like trying to make a kind of insinuation that we were getting Dark some... money and all ah, this. Like, corporate backing for sectarianism. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, where is he? I mean, who on earth is that him doing? Aye. It just it, it bewilders me because as I say, at the end of the day, I mean, you, you could come to some of the flat committee meetings, it's just normal people, it's yeah. just normal football fans. Mm-hmm. And the notion that this is some mad conspiracy against Scottish independence is, is hysterical. Yeah. I mean, give it, especially given that, you know, I, I voted for Scottish independence. Yeah, same here. I mean, that. I think one of the things that people sometimes struggle to do in terms of that identity, in terms of that, you know, sort of partisanship is separate, you know, their desire for a wider issue, mm-hmm. you know, versus essentially the kind of cult of party um, in some respects. And, like, for me, and I think you touched on it earlier on, like, I don't, I don't really feel in 10 years of going to football matches in Scotland that the terraces have really changed all that much. I, I, but at the same time, in particularly in the last sort of three or four weeks, probably through maybe like Steve Clark's comments onwards, there's been this massive focus and it's portrayed as though something new is happening again. And, and I don't really, you know, being there, I don't really feel that trend. No, I, I, as I say, I mean, the last few weeks have just been insane in terms mm-hmm. of the kind of media's response to stuff. I think there have been incidents, it's just snowballed from one thing to the next. Yeah. But I do, I mean, as I say, nobody in their right mind is trying to defend some idiot throwing a no, coin absolutely at, not. an opposition player, a manager or whatever, no right? Nobody. But 
again, it's just about having a, a reasonable discussion mm-hmm. and having a proportionate response. Now, like I, I watched the, the Rangers Hibs game on Friday night, and then the BBC like yeah. the article like more or less as soon as the game's over, right? So I read it, and it was like. The kind of theme was, you know, like this was a competitive game, end-to-end fixture, yeah. ferocious atmosphere, great advert for Scottish football, and it was ruined by one idiot. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, it wasn't ruined, was it? I mean, no. if we went to a concert, it was attended by like 20,000 people, and the band were brilliant for two hours, and it was a great night, and one idiot tried to rush the stage, we wouldn't even be discussing it in the way home, no. let alone turn on the radio, and there's this long debate about it, or you yeah. open your paper, and it's this... Shame of concert Three goals. page spread. It just, uh-huh. it just wouldn't happen. It would just that person would personally be um, charged. They would be convicted. Yep. You'd never hear it again, right? Yep. And that is what should it should absolutely be charged. That's kind of what ever. happened with Scott Brown was attacked at Ibrox. Aye, so I'm aye, saying it's, aye, it's always been there. Batteries thrown and various other examples and since like the singing's always been there. I mean, in terms of, I mean, if, if, again, you know, you look at like, arrest figures for mm-hmm. like, fans, it's like thirty four, forty people arrested. You know, you look at. Like, like I think Eminem played in like the Glasgow Green. Yeah. Thirty four people arrested. The Stone Roses played, it was twenty four people arrested. You get down to the front of a concert, you talk about missiles, yeah. count how many pint tumbles you get hit with. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be lucky if half of them are filled with beer too, because the other half will be yeah. filled with something else. <laughs> and and again there's no this mad public outcry of yeah. shame yeah. of concert go yeah, let's no. bring in like, like, let's let's take top one singles, top ten singles half bands who, yeah. you know what I mean it's it's, uh-huh. it's just ludicrous I had a Buckfast bottle narrowly miss me on Oasis concert at Murrayfield I, 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 and, so. and nobody's defending that right yeah. absolutely nobody but can we just have a, an adult discussion exactly. without yeah. this you're, you're thinking about that wonder what that fucking idiot was thinking when he threw that you're not thinking Aye. do you know what we need Aye. legislation against Oasis fans Aye. if you're Aye. going to an Oasis Aye. concert and you every, throw con- every concert should have a net eight feet high <laughs> to stop missiles or whatever you know what I mean like, it's not happening is it so I think and you know moving on for that um, that sort of public discussion that grown up discussion that we're talking about here um, it's not happened in the legislative process no um, and in my experience and, and again I'm and we again before we come on, I'm not a practiser of any religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't personally consider myself to have any heritage in, you know, either camp when it comes to the, you know, the notions of Glasgow and sectarianism. Like I'm just a football fan. <clears throat> and even my experience of policing off the back of this legislation, I've I've got to say there's times when I've felt intimidated by yeah, it. Of course. Um I mean I had only just taken my daughter to her first game about two weeks before the Ketlin incident on the Gallagher. Right, okay. And it wouldn't be unusual for us to be in like McCool's or whatever it is on the way to the yeah. game. Um, so, I mean, I did see the pictures and see the videos at that point and thought to myself, the fuck is actually happening yeah. here? Like, because Maybe. I could have quite easily have been there way at the time my sort of six, seven year old daughter. Happened and people were. Kettle yesterday, weren't they? I, I don't really know much more about that, no. but I, I do know that... the footage that appeared on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So that's um, not even something that's stopped. It's not stopped, I And alongside that, this was something that I never imagined happening in Scottish football, or to Scottish football fans in that respect, being treated in that manner. But something that, again, kind of similar to that that we touched on before was the crush at Celtic Park now. Aye. I was actually in the middle of that. Me and the lads were wandering through the back concourse on the way to the match, as we do, every Saturday, mm-hmm. or every other Saturday, 
and we weren't really paying attention to what was going on about us, and then all of a sudden, we physically couldn't move. Yeah. Now, I was in literally the middle of it. Um, two of the lads that I was with managed to get out. Um, I mean, I was watching people put their reins on their shoulders. I was watching people form chains to lift people yeah. into the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And the police afterwards said, you know, great on us, we solved this issue, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it wasn't. I seen an Aurora Celtic fans, uh, Celtic fans link arms and actually push bodies right. back to create space. And it was only after things started to move again mm-hmm. that I seen any sort of high vis. Um, so I mean, four, as you say, four games a year, saturation. You know, at times when it comes to Celtic Rangers, like how how does that happen in the modern day? Well, I mean, in terms of the kind of crushing incident. So there are two things that need to be yeah. kind of looked at. So in terms of there was absolutely a failure in the way that was planned and the way it was police time. Mm-hmm. So obviously you had a changing stadium dynamics yeah. in terms of there was far more seven and a half thousand, whatever it was, mm-hmm. more Celtic fans than than usual, right? Yep. Now that isn't the like, there been the same amount of Celtic fans there yesterday. Mm-hmm. But the difference is is that because it was Rangers, the police still um shot off a huge amount of London Road and yeah. they were directing the traffic um, in particular ways. So Celtic fans could only come in certain ways. There was the additional problem of the fact that it was a Sunday 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a Saturday 3 o'clock, most fans will get there a wee bit early, maybe go to the pub, you know, have yeah. their own routine, yeah. right? But when it's Sunday 12 o'clock, everybody's aim is just to get there. Aye, getting out of bed even, and getting there. Even now, in terms of, like, the, the boats and stuff like that that were coming over from Ireland, the earliest they could get in was, I mean, in terms of getting the boat and then driving up from Stranraer yep. was maybe 15 minutes before kick-off, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's everything going well. Yeah. So you're already creating that environment um, for something like that to occur, mm-hmm. right? And then it was really poorly pushed on the day. But what you then have, when, when things actually started to develop, mm-hmm. what the police have to do is, is step in and take control of the situation, right? That's what you would expect. Now, we, as FAC, um, and then the kind of Celtic Trust, dealt with a lot of the what we done is we gathered in statements yeah. fact um that went to the Celtic Trust um about people's experiences on that day. Mm-hmm. Um and some of them were you know, I wasn't caught up in it, I go on a different but yeah. I was at the game but I, I, I didn't really know about it until after the game. Yep. It was really hard to read. It was really hard and you know, we yeah. were reading experiences of people who who genuinely thought that they were going to die and, yeah. and genuinely thought that you know, you're, as you say, you know, people having to hold their kids up and their yeah. shoulders, old people all huddled around trying to protect each mm-hmm. other. But then another theme that started coming through is, is that when people were approaching the police and asking for help, they were either met with total ambivalence or, more likely, they were met with hostility and they were threatened with arrest. If they had the temerity to go and ask the police, what's going on, what he's doing, they were threatened with arrest. Now, the reason that something like that was allowed to happen for as long as it was is because Police Scotland, culturally, within their organisation, view football fans as criminals. They view football fans as potential sources yep. of disorder. So when it comes to uh, a game like that and an event like that, all they're looking for, all they're trained to do is to look out for potential sources of disorder, mm-hmm. to apprehend people and get them in the van. That's yeah. all they're prepared for and that's where their mindset is. So when another situation develops that requires the help of police yeah. to alleviate a situation and protect fans, the automatic response is, who do you think you're talking to? Get away from me if you want to see the game. If you don't want to get to jail, you better get away from me. You've mm-hmm. got the right to even come, come and start, at all. start discussing this with me. And that was 
I mean, the video that we released, um, you know, it was this is the that we had that mm-hmm. we kind of discussed some of this. This wasn't, you know, like young 20 year old guys who'd had a bit to drink. Who, no. I'm not saying they deserve to be treated like that, but who society might see as being the kind of corruption yeah. when it comes to mm-hmm. this were normal people, you know, middle-aged people, mm-hmm. men, women, older people, children. Absolutely, you know, a microcosm of society Absolutely. almost caught up underneath that stand and the police were slow to react and were hostile to those who were seeking help because of the way they viewed football supporters. Mm-hmm. And then the next day they released a statement saying that the build-up started 10 minutes before the game, which is... Just patently untrue. It's a, a lie. I was stuck in there for twenty minutes. Easy, aye, aye. easy. It's, it's a lie, and it's even a lie by their own admission because we put in a freedom of information request to get their match log, mm-hmm. which showed that they knew at a minimum twenty minutes before the game mm-hmm. that, that that build up was happening. Mm-hmm. So the reason you can only surmise that the reason they put that statement out there the next day is to deflect blame from themselves for their yep. operational yep. failures or the fans. fans for showing up late. Mm-hmm. And I mean the. Again, the historical echoes of those types of responses by police to yeah. uh, incidents well, of near disaster yeah. don't need explained, but mm-hmm. it's 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 still chilling. Yeah. And the only reason, as you say, that we didn't have fatalities that day is because fans remained exceptionally calm, yeah. uh, given the circumstances, and worked together to try mm-hmm. and alleviate the situation. Otherwise, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind there would have been yeah. deaths. As I get pushed back out, I mean, I, as we've discovered, discussed in other podcasts, um, you know, I occasionally have bouts of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'd sweat clean through every item of clothing I'd right. wore. On the way back out, I'd seen people literally sprawled out, mm-hmm. you know, getting, like, you know, fanned and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I get separated from my mates. When we actually get into the stadium, I was myself. I was then closely followed by a mate. Mm-hmm. But it still left one of the lads completely unaccounted for, and we had no idea what was going on, even, you know... 10, 15 minutes into the game. He walked in Aye. 10 minutes after the game, like pure, it had started, sorry, going, that was wild. And you're like, I know, but thankfully, you know, we weren't amongst the injured. But mm-hmm. I think even when you see the severity of the, the aftermath of it, to then try and just dismiss it the way the police had um, without any real meaningful investigation was, was a joke. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of follows me where we are in, in the last week or so, where, you know, notions of... Uh, um, I don't know how you put it any other way, uh, how they independently reviewed themselves. <laughs> um, as much as I do have all, <laughs> I do have a level of respect for you know what the police do and stuff like that to a certain extent, this is you shouldn't be immune to criticism just because you provide a service. And mm-hmm. when you're not meeting the, the sort of standards that are required, you, you do have to be held to account. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the notion that you can do that to yourself in any walk of life is laughable. But I mean... Th- so we'd already been kind of calling for an independent review because, as I say, you know, the cultural problems that came with the Offensive Behaviour at Football Act were evidently still an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd seen that with the kind of early season, some of the incidents that had occurred, the fans had been filmed and harassed and followed and, yeah. and whatnot. But the day after that happened, James Kelly in particular was saying, like, enough's enough, we need to have an independent review. For everybody's sake, for yeah. the police as well, you know, mm-hmm. so that they can... Learn through where it's going wrong, you know, if, if there's if there's yeah. uh, procedural issues you need to learn from, or you know, if uh, even if even if they felt that they were really in the right, if they appointed and if there, if there was a kind of independently agreed mm-hmm. uh, parliamentary committee or whatever to look at this, 
everybody would feel much more satisfied with what came out. Yeah. Know, whatever way the whatever way it fell. Um, but what they wanted to do is they seen the momentum gathering for this call, right? For this need for either maybe the Justice Committee or the Sport and Health Committee or whoever yeah. to properly look into this. And what they've done is they've tried to head it off the pass and say, mm-hmm. look, because they've seen, they knew what yeah. was going to come out. So what they've done was they thought, right, what we'll do is we'll appoint a Roman guy um, who'll you know, carry out this, we'll, we'll push it as independent. A lot of the mainstream media have really let fans down, I think, and continually... Um, putting out that line of this independent review, like Chris McLaughlin was the worst. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, come on. I'm not expecting them to come out and have a go at the police. And yeah. I'm not expecting, you know, them to take out online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he is ultimately a sports journalist. Right, aye, aye, again. But for them to be saying that this is independent and to just be pushing that out uncritically mm-hmm. is embarrassing for yeah. any journalist, really. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> So, I mean, we had decided not to engage in it, but we knew that it was going to be coming out. So yeah. we got some stuff prepared to go out. Um, but what st- the need for a review still remains. Yeah. Still, I mean, in terms of the, the review that, that they've put out, it doesn't even mention that day. They're not one mention. Yeah, I know that. Not aye. one mention of that day. And that was, but yeah, that's how it's reported in the press. Aye, the press have aye, reported as oh, a report aye, on the crushing but itself. She, she, she even the way the press have like, reported stuff about... like. You know, like the like the incidents of coins being thrown. Yeah. People need to ask themselves as much as I'm not defending in any way throwing a coin, no. people need to ask themselves what was more dangerous? Thousands upon thousands of people being crushed in like yeah. you know, sardines under Celtic Park and yep. a, a situation that wasn't moving and that the police were exacerbating not helping mm-hmm. or, you know, a fifty pence piece thrown through twenty yards. By an idea. You know, like what is what is more likely to cause loss of life? And the answer for me is pretty simple. Yet there has been, you know, like uh, almost endless column inches mm-hmm. dedicated to fan behaviour, mm-hmm. but absolutely nothing whatsoever that I've seen that has properly addressed how the police conducted themselves on that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and again, part of it is that intimidation that I've talked about sometimes feeling at games when you tie in the constant filming of supporters just because they're supporters. Mm-hmm. And the notion that people's doors are being kicked in at, you know, dawn because they sang a song at a football match. Like, these are things that, if that's actually what's going on and, and there is clear evidence that there is, mm-hmm. like, why would you know what address it was? So this is a government that currently is trying to pitch itself in liberal, sort of progressive oh, I mean, terms. That's so thing, but, like, it? this for me is not just an attack on free expression, it's an attack on free thought because... There are parts of it where you, you, you're trying to legislate against what's in people's heads. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's something that is just draconian. But you know I mean, what I mean? Like, again, like you would, I, I would think that James Dorman probably sees himself as being on the left of the SNP. Mm-hmm. Yet he's coming across increasingly like a right-wing demagogue, yeah. demanding punitive mm-hmm. action and demanding that everybody's punished and yeah. demanding that we come down hard and fast on the entirety of the kind of what is largely a working class crowd, mm-hmm. and I, you know, again, like you wonder if they'll ever take a step back and think, right, hold on a minute, um, you know, this rhetoric's getting out of hand. But I think you know the evidence suggests that they won't. That they've became so entrenched, aye, entrenched in their views and the, the you know any notion of having as I say, an adult discussion about this, you know, seems. This to is kind of one of the ironies that I've kind of felt throughout the process is that bigotry and sectarianism is 
you know, meant it's been portrayed as something that comes out a, a level at least a like religious or political zealotry. Um, yet the actual real zealotry we've faced has been in the rhetoric and the well, actions I mean, of those in power. That's what I loved about you know the reactions we would get on Twitter about people saying, "Oh, it's like football fans are all bigots and it's all just about tribalism," and you're like. You've been caught up in that tribalism, yeah. you know, and you, mm. and you can't see it. The that hypocrisy you and that's you, incredible, isn't it? Aye, but like, and you're trying to explain it, and you feel like a doctor trying to appease a hypochondriac, you know what I mean? Try to explain that, look, we're not actually big, we're actually, I, I actually defend Rangers fans, Um, you know, we've helped Rangers fans, even though I'm a Celtic fan, but, you know, you can't see the merits of an argument just because of blind partisanship, and that's what his skewed so much of this debate mm -hmm. and it's really unfortunate because as I say, I mean in terms of one of the things that I, I thought was best about or what I was really optimistic about at the time in the independence referendum was the kind of politicisation of you know, masses of young people yeah. who are all of a sudden much more switched on mm -hmm. um, to the kind of political and social world around them and I thought that was a fantastic thing and then, yep. you know, it just, but, you know, in terms of when football fans were expressing political views and it was largely young fans. I would rather listen to 16 year olds on anything else apart from this. You know, it was, it was, it was, it, it, you know, that um, oppression still had to, was still meted out by, mm -hmm. the, by, the, uh, by the SNP and football fans were still being clamped down on. And, I mean, James Dornan almost summed it up, didn't he? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things he's trying to do now is with his strict liability yeah. um, that they're trying to bring in. But this is a guy who tweeted out a photo of the Celtic fan uh, protest in like, Palestine. Palestine right? So he thought his Palestine flags when Celtic played Hapwell, Bersheva. Mm -hmm. um, James Dornan comes out, praises it to the high hill, yep. um, and then Celtic are fined under the very strict liability laws that he now wants to bring in. Yep. He also done the same way when Barcelona had kind of broke out and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not necessarily politics and football he disagrees with, it's just politics that he disagrees with yeah. in yeah. football that he disagrees Aye. with. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the zealotry that we're kind of talking about and the kind of notions of like overreach, which we've sort of covered to right. this point, like for me this is where it becomes like a civil liberty issue and it, and it stops being about people's opinions or the sort of stereotypical image that some people have of football fans. And it's like, who are the government to decide what we are allowed to say in a free society? Like, who are the government to like define you as what is offensive? Like, it's, it's no that, I mean, it's just no the role of the state, is it? To no. determine, I mean, out with the kind of, obviously there's the kind of binary of, you know, hate crime mm -hmm. and speech yeah. that is specifically hateful or somebody based on their mm -hmm. protected characteristics, right? That's fine. And, and by, by and large, that's in place. So I know there's going to maybe be some changes to that for mm -hmm. the recent report. And that's all fine. And, and legislation should always change all, and develop yeah. and over time and, and come to meet society's needs as, as that changes, right? Absolutely. That's fine. But to, to bring into, you know, this idea of outlaw and offensiveness... And so much of it was just about, in my view, you know, it was about stopping people from expressing certain political views that the yeah. SNP weren't um, supportive of. It felt and like a is, foot in the door to me. It's a really dangerous step yeah. for a mm -hmm. democratic society to take. What's the, I mean, if they really, why did they allow the walks? 
if they really want to get, if they really want to deal with sectarianism, if this is, I mean, let's say Hums is saying this is an anti-sectarianism act, and well, I mean, why do they allow them to walk? I mean, I mean I'm, I'm offended by the orange walk. Mm. I've always been offended by the orange walk. I've got to say, as a as a Catholic, mm-hmm. I dislike um, them, but I think they should be allowed again as a notion of free expression. I'm, I, I, I'm not necessarily for the banning of the mm-hmm. orange walk. Yeah, but if you're going to start to legislate, I mean, what why I'm not deal with that first? What I would say is, is that. Uh, I agree that, you know, I think the Orange Order have a democratic right to, I mean, as a person of Irish and Catholic descent, mm-hmm. they have every right to hate me all they want. They don't have a right to make it my problem. Yeah. They, they can certainly, I think they should be allowed to march. I don't think they should be allowed to march past Catholic churches. No, absolutely uh, you not. Know, it's an idea that, like, the legislation and the opinions around it probably needs to evolve. You know um, I mean? But, like, I mean, there's over, you know, 2,000 streets in Glasgow, 60-odd with, with Catholic churches on them. Let them march the rest of them, that's yeah. fine. But mm-hmm. the, the notion of them continuing to get past Catholic churches, um, I think that has to, to be brought to an end. And again, there has to be a, a discussion about that, but it's something... It comes back to what I was saying about the real issues of discrimination and bigotry. It's no about, you know, football fans singing and shouting at each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. It's about the systemic problems that have manifested themselves in ways, I mean, obviously, I, I don't even think the Orange Walk is a, a massive issue. I think that, I think a massive issue is, is education, and it's dead easy to say that, right? Everybody says, oh, it should just be education. Mm-hmm. We have to understand what are we teaching our kids? Yeah. And what you have is groups like Nil by Mouth and Sense Over Sectarianism mm-hmm. going in with the same old tired nonsense. Yeah. And some of their material, in my opinion, is bigoted. Some mm-hmm. of the stuff that they put out. Is it, certainly the some of the sense over sectarianism stuff that talks about how you know there's like one piece for example, and it's like a the Irish tricolor yeah, and this is you know in a pamphlet that they give to kids and it's this is the Irish tricolor this is nothing to do with Scotland or football and you're like why would you even say that oh, like, why, why like, link them then it, it, what what they're trying to do is they're trying to undermine the notion that it's okay to have mm-hmm. an Irish tricolor and again you know. But, it's obvious to me that there's an attempt to undermine even a an ordinary kind of Irish identity, a mm-hmm. multi-generational Irish diaspora yeah. identity. And what you need to get to the bottom of with this issue of sectarianism is structural inequalities are in place. So mm-hmm. as I say, if these like if there wasn't such inequality, you wouldn't be able to distinguish the Irish diaspora or the Catholic um, community from statistics but mm-hmm. we are distinguishable uh, in ways I've already explained yeah. the fact that they're more likely to live in poverty being jailed or younger mm-hmm. but all, you know, almost all hallmarks yeah. you could possibly go by but those are really tricky issues to deal with mm-hmm. Absolutely. and as I, as I say even you're, you're talking about orange, orange walks you know you know, a lot of that culture is embedded in certain parts of the west of Scotland mm-hmm. and beyond it's part um, of who they are when we're going to and and as I say, to, to properly tackle some of these attitudes and to properly um, try and evolve as a society isn't, isn't easy. It's not an easy no, task no. for a government. And it's it's not even necessarily a vote winner either. Mm-hmm. But what is m- more likely to grab the public's attention is coming down hard and fast and fast. Yeah. It's just much easier. Absolutely. And I, but what it would take is it would take, it would take a lot more courage, I think, from mm-hmm. a government, a lot more... A, a lot more awareness of the, the nature of the problem mm-hmm. and a, a real willingness to not just win votes, to yeah. not just 
you know, fling a, a I would a love to see the day where the Scottish Parliament sees every single corner of the chamber vote in favour of something that may yeah. actually work. They need you know to be minded. Like they need to get rid of <clears throat> old ways of thinking. They need to realise that there needs to be something new that rather than it just being the same old shit yeah, that's getting slung it's Catholic schools it's whatever you know what I mean it's just it's just a pure tired old but, trope into it you again, know what I mean we, like, would, we would get that the Catholic schools argument a lot from people who again see themselves as progressive but mm -hmm. Catholic like the argument against Catholic schools is really just how middle class Scotland expresses their anti-Irish racism and yeah. Catholic bigotry in my opinion um, and they don't understand again they don't understand why Catholic schools were needed at the time because mm -hmm. they don't understand the genesis of this issue. Yeah, people do. Uh, people even within uh, my own community won't understand how we came to be here because you're not taught it at school. Yeah, you're not taught. Mm -hmm. You know why is it that there's such a big community of Catholics mm -hmm. and what is a, a predominantly Protestant yeah. country? Why is it that all these people travelled over from Ireland? Mm -hmm. What different waves of immigration were there? Mm -hmm. And what discrimination did they face at the outset? Yep. And what's changed? You know, what is better and what's not? And it's only Sorry. by understanding that evolution, that change, mm -hmm. is, is can you get to any sort of, right, this is where we are now. Yep. This is what we still need to tackle. Mm -hmm. but, as I say, you know, if, if you look at the material that goes into schools, Benel by Mouth and Central for Sectarianism, and these government-funded groups who just peddle this line that, it's, it's, you know, it's the West Coast of Scotland, yeah. it's football, it's, it's Glasgow, and they just hate each other because they want their, their team to win the league. And yeah. it's nonsense. And so, again, so it's... so simplified of it's, you. It's, for me, it's very much a... It echoes a lot as well, is that, you know, like you looked at like the, the Trump and Hillary Clinton's mm -hmm. campaign, and a lot of Clinton's campaign seemed to suggest that, you know, all these people in the, the South, Middle America, are just racist because... They're not quite as nice as us middle class. Yeah, we're people more involved, we're more sophisticated. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just a bit nicer and a bit more tolerant and a bit more Aye, um, intelligent. And it's it's the same thing. Ah, just these working class people who they, they just don't really yeah. saw about football. They've not got much else in their lives, mm -hmm. and it fails to understand the structural issues that have created yeah. those types of opinions mm -hmm. and and have created those types of mindsets. And unless you really get to where it all started and understand that mm -hmm. you can't hope to to just eradicate it be as I say you know knee-jerk ludicrous yeah. legislation and I think this is why we see so many of the the you know the cases in question fail why is the conviction rate has been you know as low as it has been because if you don't understand the people involved you don't understand the history involved you don't understand you know the structures that you're standing up against and you're not having an honest sort of public debate about it then how, how, how does your legislation ever be successful i mean if you don't have if, if, if we can't have a kind of mature discussion about it if we don't understand the roots of it if we don't understand how it's evolved and where we are now how on earth is a random police officer meant to act as a sociologist in the midst of a football game <laughs> and try to understand what, what, what does that mean and what does yep. this mean and what's the context of this? Mm -hmm. Teach so the lyrics or songs? I, like, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. How, how on earth? I, and like, I, I don't often come to the defence of the police, right? But I, I think this could only have been applied arbitrarily, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're saying that you need to go... If you're, you, if you're given the instructional of you need to go and arrest anybody who does anything offensive... Mm -hmm. Weird, I mean, where do you even start with that? Like, a guy going up shouting at the referee, you know, like, or 
you know, somebody Get comes some in. cuffs on Frankie Boyle. Aye, somebody you know, comes in. Aye, aye, somebody comes in wearing d- double denim. You're like, oh, that's a bit dodgy. Well, you know, like, <laughs> to be fair, though, double denim. Come on, man. <laughs> like, they might deserve a jail. Aye. But, uh, like, so th- this notion that they have to, you know, only apply, like, they have to go and find something that's offensive to someone mm-hmm. somewhere who may or not find out about it or may or not actually exist. They have to go and find something that is offensive, right? Yeah. So it's it's too broad. You can't arrest everybody who says a swear word, right? No. You can't arrest everybody who shouts at an opposition player or shouts at the referee, right? You mm-hmm. just can't do it. So the only way that you can then in any way meaningfully apply that instruction is by kind of involving your own prejudices of, mm-hmm. oh, I find that offensive, yeah. you know, so... I'm going to focus on that type of behaviour, yeah. and that's that's where it really starts to break down when yeah. you take the law to its because it's the targeting. It's no the subjective, you know, policing. Uh, I'm here. This has happened. I'm I mean, going to go and address it. It then becomes here is what I'm actively looking for, and I'm I going mean, to argue that, that, that was, that's what I've just that seen. That was one of the things. So after the, I think it was after the seven seven attacks in London, mm-hmm. the Metropolitan Police had these kind of emergency powers that allowed them to stop and search people. Right mm-hmm. now, see when you go into an airport, it always ends well. See when you go into an airport, right? You accept that parts of your kind of liberty have to be given up. You have to be searched yep. because there's a very, very specific threat, mm-hmm. right? And we all we all do it, and we yep. all have to accept that. That's a price worth yeah. paying, right? But it's when you make it broader that becomes a problem. So the the Metropolitan Police had these broad powers that allowed them to stop and search people, right? What they what they were doing was they were actually um, reenacting them every twenty four hours, mm-hmm. uh, and nobody knew about it two years later, right? But because they've got these powers that allow them to stop certain people, and it's no specific to a particular threat, right? No. It's much broader. Mm-hmm. So what starts happening is these police officers, rather than looking for a specific threat, because they can stop and search almost anybody, you can't stop and search everybody. So what happens is their prejudice take over. Yep. And then what happened is lots and lots of Muslim and black men, in particular, have been stopped and searched. And yep. that, that boy in the statistics. Yeah. And it's the same it thing. Almost always does with stop and search. Aye. The film. Aye. But it's, it's the same principle. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have something as broad as offensive, that can't actually Aye. be policed, right? That's ludicrous. You can't possibly arrest everybody who does something that's offensive. Yep. So the only way you can approach that is by your mindset mm-hmm. and where your mind takes you and what you find offensive mm-hmm. and then your prejudices kick in and people start being arrested for these types of behaviours yep. and then it's, it, it, it does create a real problem of, mm-hmm. of, of kind of prejudice within the law Absolutely. and then you know by the time a lot of this stuff gets to court it gets laughed out because mm-hmm. it's ludicrous but as I say in the meantime there's a real human cost of that person's life Absolutely. who's been turned upside down for, for almost for up to you know two and a mm-hmm. half years. It was the kind of the damage that we see to like obviously people in terms of their, their jobs, their careers, you know, their working, mm-hmm. sort of social, personal life and stuff like that. There has to also be a damage to something like the public purse. So if we're policing ineffectively, mm-hmm. we're legislating ineffectively, and we're failing to gain convictions off the back of that over X amount of months and years, you know, the seven years or so since the, you know, before the repeal, like, what kind of impact does that have when there are already largely laws that cover a lot of these issues probably slightly more effectively? Well, I mean, it, it must have cost them uh, an absolutely obscene amount of money. Now, what I would say is, 
one of the reasons I think the police were so keen for the act to come in is that when it did come in, it allowed them at a time whereby public services were being slashed, and you're talking 2012, 2013, mm. um, 2011. What, ha- what was happening was when the act came in, they were being allowed a considerable chunk of the anti-sectarian budget, mm-hmm. between £1.2 million. Pounds. So it certainly benefited the police that they had access to that money that they wouldn't mm-hmm. have otherwise had. But in terms of the cost of, because you're not talking about, this is one of the things I always try to stress is that, you know, you have officers now in the kind of focus team whose full-time job is fit by fans, right? So you're not talking about police who, you know, Monday to Friday, walk the beat, yeah. in Easter House or in wherever, right? Yeah. And then Saturday pick up an extra, you know, bit of, bit of money. Couple of those overtime. Aye, right, doing a bit of overtime. But there's, there's actually teams now that are, you know, Monday to Friday, going to an office and sitting, going through CCTV and football fans. Yeah, gathering intelligence. Gathering intelligence on football fans, you know, following, and it's their job to follow fans from the minute almost they leave their house Mm -hmm. to the minute they return, you know, sitting outside pubs. I mean, at the weekend there, um, yesterday there was a mobile CCTV unit outside a Celtic pub that followed Celtic fans walking all of maybe six minutes up to Celtic Park, um, you know, in terms of the, the cost of that, and then there's the legal proceedings, you know, there's mm-hmm. the lawyers, there's the man hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, the, uh, I've had a bit of a crash course, I guess, in the kind of Scottish legal yeah. system, through being involved in fact, and I cannot believe the state of it, like, I, I just can't believe how, how much of a riot it is, you go into Glasgow Sheriff Court, and, you know, it's, you know, it's meant to start at 10am, yeah, and it is just generally accepted that it will not start until maybe half ten, quarter to eleven, whatever it is. Yeah. And all throughout that time, lawyers have been paid, prosecutors have been paid, mm-hmm. but everybody that's charged and everybody that's a witness is taking time off of work. Yeah. If, I mean, if any of us like, ran a work and showed up 45 minutes, <laughs> like <stay> every day. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You'd be shown the amount of waste. And I, I can't mm-hmm. believe that nobody's, like, no justice minister. Uh, and maybe the, the caliber of them in the last few years is, is maybe why nobody's taking this on. But I can't believe nobody's walked in and thought this needs radically over. Uh, what's There's the cost benefit so, of this? So much waste here. There's so much um, money just being mm-hmm. poured down the drain. A lot of it from the public purse. Um, and if, I mean, football has been one of the worst for that. Because as I say, there, was, there are cases in which they knew they weren't even going to get convictions but would drag him out right to the last minute mm-hmm. to maximise the harm for the person yeah. charged. But in the meantime, it's still manners for whoever's working uh, in this back at the, the, yeah. the office. I mean, it's the that these sort of intelligence gathering opera, op, operations are just, you know, crazy as well for me. I mean, I think that even we, we talked briefly with Erin with the On The Ball campaign and uh, I think at the time we were discussing the notion that they were trying to recruit informants within organisations, you know, or within fan groups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you're like, these are the type of tactics they use against terrorists. Aye. Like, aye. what the fuck is that? Used them against the coal miners as well, but aye. didn't they? So. They did, aye. But I mean, like, sort of stuff like that, there's the fact that you would have synchronised on raids. It used to always be on a Friday morning, so yeah. you could hold fans over the weekend. And then they post that, oh, we don't like calling it on raids. Like, well, we don't particularly like to practice it. Ah, yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, there was a whole thing at the start as well that one of the things he would always do is come up and call you by your name. Like, All right, Paul, how's... How you get on it, you know, at the time, and 
And it's just about intimidation. Yeah. You know, it's just about letting Opera. you know, listen, we know all about you and you better watch. Uh, and this was happening to, to a whole range of football supporters, the vast, vast, vast majority of whom had never been in a day's ball in my life. You know, had never insane. been, um, you know, ever never encountered a kind of criminal justice system in any way, shape or form. Yet, you know, almost overnight, there was just a change of culture that brought in football fans who've been seen as... It's, it's this potential criminal threat. And you mentioned mm -hmm. the stuff about informants. Bernard Higgins was asked about that recently mm -hmm. as part of a Sky News report. And he goes off in some rant about terrorism and about yep. organised crime. And you're like, you were just asked why you're tapping up football fans who have never... Uh, the the yep. guys that I know who are tapped up have never been charged, right? Mm -hmm. Never been in border, never any convictions, nothing like that, yeah. right? And they've been sought out at like, their work or their home uh, to be asked by the police, would you mind acting like and, and giving them incentives and whatnot? And you're like, what, 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 I mean, what is going on? Aye. What do they think that they're going What's to get from this? Here, but the fact that you know he's even asked about this and he goes off in this tangent about organised crime and terrorism, and that's what I'm saying about the cultural problem that's rooted within yeah. police yeah. Scotland. That is how they view football supporters, and until we get to the root of that. All this is just going to continue. Yeah, I completely agree. Do you feel that the attitude of the police and things like this of, um, like being a part of why we see it more often, or do you think that the media is reporting it? Is why we see it because I was we were off mic. I, I'd sort of disagreed with Matt a wee bit. Thinking back to like uh, the, the the sort of tail end of Gordon Stratton's era at Celtic, mm -hmm. when people would sing certain songs at Celtic Park, you would hear groans. You would hear act people sort of groaning like when when songs would start, um, to like now where it almost feels like it's accepted again. Um but is that just my sort of perception? I mean, think? if I remember right, I can't even remember much singing at all in the Gordon Street. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I might have Didn't agree an awful well. Um, a few trophies, but not much to sing about. I mean, <laughs> that, there have been changes at Celtic Park, obviously, um, and I think the atmosphere is much better now than it than it ha had been. Certainly, yeah. been back probably since the the new stadium opened. There's also been a um, concentration by fans to sing about players and stuff like that. I think, you know, almost every guy in the first team squad has their own wee song and I think that's something that's, but I, that I've I not think, seen in I a mean, while. Listen, they sound like sports things. Yeah. They sing Republican songs. I've got no problem with that. I think that's 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 part and parcel of um, the, the kind of nature of the club. Um, but in terms of, I would I would have said there was maybe a, a wee upstart um, when they came in um, because there was a lot going on at the time as well. But, I mean, it's, for me, if they were, if what their plan was, was to limit that type of singing, it has failed. You know, yeah. there, there's no getting away yeah. from it. But the bottom line is, as well, is as much as, you know, there's a difference between people saying, you know, they don't like songs, right? That's fine, you know, it's no problem. Like, if, if people, you know, say, well, I, you know, I don't like these songs, don't think, think they should be sung at football, don't think it should be part of the club, whatever, mm. right? That's fine. But there's a difference between going from that and thinking, People should be then jailed. Jailed for jailed, doing it. Jailed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's there's, what, there's, a, there's a difference. There's a, there's a hell of a lot. Of, there used to be a hell of a lot of self policing that used to happen. Um, I, I still think there is. Within I football mean, fans, when we, we witnessed that one time yeah. a, a game against Dundee United that springs to mind where somebody said something blatantly racist against yeah. a Dundee United player, 
and they ended up in oh, a fist fight I, I, with other supporters. Trip me up, trip me each, each in them for that. Yeah. Uh, my, my experience, it's only been a couple of times, you know, you've maybe heard the, uh, and it is always, but like, there's never like on mass racist chance. Mm. Certainly no, not no, definitely not. No. But, there, there's maybe been in, in the time I've followed Celtic there's maybe been a couple of individual races shout mm-hmm. and the person is either immediately told to shut up or there's punches yeah. going even if, yep. even if you get to that absolutely um, you know the, 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 there, there is an element of which I mean and again I'd imagine people would be cracking up about that and all but mm-hmm. that's a reality there, there is an element of um, self-policing that does exist there mm-hmm. um, and, and I do think that if you were to get you know, out of order stuff. The stuff that was, you know, um, attacking people for their kind of protected characteristics, yeah. stuff that would be considered hate crime. I think, by and large, football fans would stand up to that because no. football fans, uh, you know, football doesn't exist in a bubble. No. Football is very much a microcosmic society in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. So, just as, you know, there's, there's no point in sitting here uh, uh, throughout the course of the campaign denying that there was an issue with. Um, sectarianism or racism or, or homophobia um, within football through the 60s and 70s and 80s yeah. and whatever, right? But just as those things became less and less acceptable in modern society, they came, became less acceptable on the terraces. Yeah. Yeah. So I think even if you were to hear somebody shouting something homophobic, I think immediately they would be chinned for that. Yeah. Yeah. Games. I really do, and I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. So this idea that football fans are, you know, these... Neanderthal，啊，like，stone，age，like，um，guys who are just there to shout abuse at people，as你might experience，and I find a lot of the time that，you know，the types of people who are peddling this stuff are people who you have never been to before。Yeah，definitely。I think，obviously，it's post-app
to, to manage it in yeah. any sort of mature fashion. Um, and there's been discussions as well about um, attaching the wear and regards to licenses. And yeah. Like but listen, that, the truth is, I don't have any more of an insight into that than you guys do. You yeah. will follow that a bit yourself. Fair enough. Um, and it's just a case of, I think what we're what we trying to do at the moment is just stand up for fans a wee bit because mm -hmm. nobody's been doing it. As I say, there's just been this total onslaught on the railways and in our um, papers. You know, all that stuff about fans. I mean, like the daily records, you know, yeah. scum hunt and stuff oh like that. Oh my God, recently I... Just mental stuff. And I think that it's time, you know, I think fans have maybe been a wee bit quiet on it the first couple of weeks, mm -hmm. but we have to be like that, not like, listen, enough's enough. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, the floor will die down a wee bit, mm. you know. Everybody will, you know, have a deep breath. Yeah. Um, and it will hopefully allow for an environment in which... A more mature discussion yeah. can be. Yeah. I think the things like Scum Hunt and the way that we're talking about like a lot of the, the sort of media stuff, we've spoke about this before, but mm -hmm. we're really suffering as a society for the death of like sort of mainstream media that is in like papers and news and they're resorting to the sort of lowest type of reporting where they're highlighting these wee tiny things that are almost like exceptions that happen within mm -hmm. these types of like football fans or no matter what, I mean the, the amount of the amount of uh, coverage that like EDL protests get, and there's like ten of them, aye, and you're aye, like, they, look, they, it's no thousands and thousands of people aye. that's got these things, no, but it's right. it's almost like clickbait. They're just, aye, aye, right, it's right. the it's the death croak of like yeah. our newspapers and mainstream media, mm. and we're we're suffering for it because we we're we're, we're we're getting things like this that's coming up against minorities within massive groups of people. Yep. To try and deal with it, and it's almost like we don't need to deal with it. Like. I think the demonisation of fans in the press, particularly in Scotland, is an extension of the demonisation of the other underclasses out there, mm -hmm. the yeah, no, immigrants and asylum seekers and benefit claimants mm -hmm. and the unemployed and you know football fans. And I think this sort of right-leaning media that we've got in the country is just, as you say, just taking pot shots, hoping that people uh, but, but, will pick but, it up. We're a society that's now obsessed with punishment, obsessed mm -hmm. with punitive measures. You know, we, we jail more younger people, I think, than anyone else in, in Europe, by Crazy. and large. Um, and, and Is that Scotland or the UK? The UK, as far right. as I'm aware. Um, but, but, but we're just obsessed <coughs> with this notion of punishment. Mm -hmm. um, and it's now manifesting itself in really dangerous ways, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And stuff like the, 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 the way the media portrays what is an almost non-existent problem, in my opinion. I, mm. I, I, I think that people who have maybe acted in some of the ways in the last few weeks should be individually charged, but I don't think in any way that speaks to a wider pattern. I, um, so. I mean, we had the, the one of the police officers who was on saying, oh, there's been this massive rise in sectarianism and violence. You know, all right, if you get stats to back yeah, that up, like, no, 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 it's just a, a gut feeling. It's just a I'm, feeling that we've I, got... Uh, imagine, imagine he came on and said, like... I, 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 there's this massive rise in knife crime again in Glasgow, and you're like, oh, Christ, did you get arrest figures there, mate? Like, no, no, no. I just, I just think that's the yeah. case, mate. Like, you, he would be, he, he wouldn't even get, like. I mean, Theresa may get tagged with that this week. Aye, <laughs> I mean, but what? I mean, like, see if a police officer said that, he wouldn't even get like quarterly a, a, a column mm -hmm. on the twelve page of the Daily Record, right? No. But it's just put out there utterly uncritically yep. when it's about football fans, because as you say, there's a clickbait element of it. Um, and this hysteria feeds a kind of feeding frenzy for the media. 
um, that they see as beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I think what we need is we need to we need to stop having ex football players, as I say, yep. trying the whole social analysis stuff and try. It's just idiocy. It just needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I would say is as well is, is that you know the the papers and the kind of websites and the. Mm-hmm. The news, news channels and stuff like that have a responsibility to, to calm down the rhetoric, and I think as well that it would be it would be beneficial for football clubs themselves mm-hmm. to stand up for fans a wee bit more. 100%. Yep. Um, and it would be beneficial as well to have when they're having these debates, don't have you know Charlie Nicholas or like mm-hmm. Stephen Thompson or Billy Dodds yeah. or any of these people talking about fans get some fans on that have really experienced it and mm-hmm. let them share their views um, because none of them are going to come on and say ah, it's your democratic right to chuck butt fast bottles at people no. yeah. what <laughs> they're going to come on and say is listen we understand that there's been you know a couple of minor issues the last mm-hmm. few weeks those people should absolutely be charged and be put through a legal process that's fine but what shouldn't be happening is the rest of you shouldn't be tarred yep. with the same brush as them and then treated as part of some punitive measure brought in by mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 an authoritarian minded government yeah. at this point. I think we're stuck that. in a place, both politically and in terms of our media, where this is, you know, the, the notions of sectarianism and, and the, you know, stuff that's associated to it, as we've been discussing, is, is a bit of a tennis ball that's being batted back between people who are actually looking to solve sectarianism and people who are trying to exploit sectarianism. And I think we both, you know, they need both sides to be a lot closer and, and on the same page. So, I mean, obviously, as we're kind of tra- starting to wind up, like, what's like what's next for Fans Against Criminalisation? Well, I mean, it's kind of difficult to answer that one because, as I say, you know, we're set out to, to deal with the OBFA. That's mm-hmm. now gone. But there might well be another problem on the horizon if the Scottish government want to pick another fight with us. We are mm-hmm. more than happy to go head to head with them again. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. We are there to yep. protect fans and whatever comes, we'll be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, um, as I say, hopefully some common sense kicks in. Hopefully um, there can be a cooling down of the rhetoric. Um, what we'll certainly be doing is we'll certainly still be offering the support um, to help fans if if anyone's caught up in any mm-hmm. of the kind of stuff the police and yeah. in the meantime and we'll be just watching developments and should they decide to pick a Vikings again um, we'll be happy to go again Good I mean just to kind of sort of wind up I mean one of the, the things I kind of have covered is that you know like with previous guests um, on the ball mm-hmm. like I think organisations like Fans Against Criminalisation are really an example of how people are going to take control of their democracy going forward. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to come in and speak to us today no, and the detail that, that you have. Like, I think it's been great to have that adult sort of grown-up debate that we've been talking about. Um, as I say, like there is a lot of tribalism. We're not always going to overcome that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that's necessarily your goal here. It's just about, as you say, protecting fans in mm-hmm. the context of the debate. Mm-hmm. But... It is important to note that like the issue is both historical and societal and yeah, like jailing folk at football matches for singing songs isn't it going to resolve the issue. No, no, it's not. And as you say, that's the kind of rhetoric of people who are trying to exploit sectarianism mm-hmm. rather than actually get to the root of genuine inequalities that exist in our society. And I'm more than happy to move on mm-hmm. to those genuine inequalities and trying to tackle them as a society. Yep. And I'm happy to be part of that debate. But this isn't the way to do it. No. Cheers for coming on, man. It's been I mean, massive education for me because I was saying to Matt 
before you came in. Um, I, I'm aware of it. I, I disagree with the act, but I didn't really know that much about mm-hmm. it. And it's been really good to just sit and listen to you talk about it, man. You're clearly an intelligent guy, and I wish you all the, the best in the future, man. Maybe you should get into politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do with this. The first, FAC, <laughs> the FAC party. Uh, once uh, this is all done, I think I'm going to lie down in the dark room. For There's a few, a few bits and bobs. Um, various videos that you've referenced and stuff like that that uh-huh. we post here uh, probably at some point in the next week we'll, we'll link to the various Excellent. bits and bobs so is that obviously anybody Thank that you. clicks on it's got access mm-hmm. to see what you're talking about and I mean about they can well. follow us anyway on, it, on Twitter at Killerbill anyway um, and if anybody's got any questions or anything they want to know they can certainly get in touch but thank you both so much for you guys for giving me the opportunity no to come on here and um, have a kind of frank discussion about the, the kind of intricacies of it all and I've very much enjoyed that Excellent Paul Excellent Thank you Cheers Cheers Cheers, man. See you.